Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, Or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. All right, so we invite you to listen. morning. Happy Monday. It is another Mission Live. Thank you for joining me here all up and down the West Coast at 9 a.m. and all the other times across the United States and around the world. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we've got a great show today. Um, we have uh, with us. We're going to be we're going to be talking to our coordinators today, the the resident coordinators for the Gospel Rescue Mission. These are the folks that will basically decide and uh, who gets to stay when they when they apply to stay with us, and um, and then kind of counsels them all the way through in their journey. So uh, that's going to be fun coming up. We've got our no vacancy video coming up or our vacancy video uh, coming up, which we'll just talk about the wh- how we have room, what do we have room, all that kind of stuff. Um, we will have our book report, our book review, the, uh, the, the book review of the month. We will be doing, what else are we doing, Eric? Is there anything else that we got going on that, um, that I'm missing? What, what's happening? Good conversation. Good conversations. We'll be sharing with you the video, the premiere of our video with my good friend, and, uh, and, you know, just brother in Christ, James Franklin, and uh, talk about his stay. He's going to talk a little bit about his stay at the mission um, and all the things that God's done in his life during his stay. So you'll want to stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. Here's our no vacancy video. Check it out. Did you know that there's been a gospel rescue mission in Grants Pass since 1983? In that time, we've seen lots of changes in the local homeless population, but recent trends have proved to be the most emotionally taxing and frustrating to our community. Among the questions that my coworkers and I receive most frequently, the question of vacancy is always near the top of the list. Does the mission have room and why? Are the questions we're going to answer Next. So do we have space? The short answer is almost always, yes, we have space available. Over the last 12 years, I've seen times when both our facilities were at maximum capacity. But in the most recent five years, We've rarely been above more than 50% occupancy. This means that yes, we have a tremendous opportunity to offer those who would like to leave homelessness and reintegrate back into society. But if that's the case, then why am I seeing so many homeless in the parks and freeway exits? Isn't this a housing problem or at least a lack of space problem? How can this be? Well, imagine that you, for whatever reason, wanted to create a class of people who survived entirely on government subsidies. How would you go about it? Maybe start with a group that is already accustomed to accepting them. Increase the size and scope of those subsidies, and at the same time, 
disincentivize them from the hard work that comes with independence. Frame those who encourage independent living, like me and my staff, as judgmental, cruel, insensitive, and harsh. And finally, remove those societal boundaries that functioned to help encourage behavior that supports community and safety. If we were trying to create a permanent homeless class of people, that would probably be a pretty effective approach, don't you think? Our goal at the Gospel Rescue Mission is completely different. We aim to help the homeless successfully leave homelessness and re-enter society with a sense of belonging and accomplishment. It requires hard work and turning away from those things in life that led to homelessness in the first place. Even with a lower participation rate over the past five years, our mission graduates have contributed well over $35 million back into the local economy simply by being productive citizens. They have truly left homelessness for good. The problem of homelessness isn't about living space. It's about choices and consequences. It takes courage to make the right choices. And if we remind each other that the consequences for making good choices are worth the effort, we will see less people in tents in our city parks, bike paths, and freeway exits. The Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass will help anyone who is determined to become a contributing member of our community. If you or someone you know is ready to live that kind of life, yes, we have space for you. Well, we are back. That is our no vacancy video. First of all, I'm going to tease us all. I'm sitting here drinking out of my Tail Holt coffee cup uh, this morning, which is from Tail Holt Coffee in Rogue River, Oregon. You're drinking out of your veterans uh, uh, cup, and you had an options cup, and none of us are using our Mission Live fancy schmancy cups. Now, let me tell you, these... We, we just made these, and they say right on them, homelessness is not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to be left behind. There's the truth right there. And, um, and anyways, anybody who's a guest on the show will get a Mission Live coffee cup. Um, so as we're talking about, we just got done watching the, the no vacancy video or the vacancy video, however you, we want to call it. Um, and... What's your current? I mean, John, in the men's house, how many guys you have? This is over, have, by the way, John. I'm a complete amateur at this. Um, this is John Davis. He's our men's coordinator. Served for uh, with the Gospel Rescue Mission now for a little over two and a half years. Okay, and Monica Connolly, she's our women's coordinator. She's relatively new. How long you been here now? Since September of last year. So. Okay. Four months. Yeah. Okay. And um, and the coordinators are their job is to basically um, decide, you know, kind of kind of screen who is a fit for our program and who is uh, really it's time to check out uh, or or whatever. How are they doing in progress? All those kinds of things. You really hold people accountable during their stay. Now let's go back to my other question that I stepped all over myself. How many people do we have in the men's house right now? Right now, I'm only at half capacity. I've got uh, 37 men. In 37 men. Okay, and we can hold 78 beds. Yes. 78 beds, right? 
Okay. And then in the women and children's facility, I think we can hold 60. What do we have in there currently? I have 10 women and I have two kids. Okay. So, so we've got a lot of space. Now, I know this, that uh, there's, somebody, there's somebody going, yeah, but you religious, hardcore, you know, mean people with all your mean rules, uh, you only let them stay for 30 days in your 30-day program. First of all, is that even true? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so tell me, maybe, I don't know, you guys can toss a coin. Uh, who, who wants to t- tackle, how long can somebody stay at the mission? Well, um, as long as it takes for them to become independent. Okay. It, there's no time limit as long as they're showing progress. Okay, so when you say independent, what do you mean by independent? Um, independence is having a steady income that will allow them to be able to live on their own in an apartment or a house that they're able to rent um, and, and leave here with a job and a home. So so essentially just not needing like a charitable handout all the time right. to, to right. support their their struggle. Okay. So so um, have you had anybody ever like stay less than 30 days? <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> all the time. Yep. And and uh, I mean what happens when somebody stays less than 30 days? Do you like track them down, drag them back in? No, um, when, when they leave, I give them a, uh, if, if they leave on their own, uh-huh. I give them a time limit for how long they have to be out before they can come back. Why would we do that? Um, so that they can feel the weight of their decision. Yeah. I mean, they, they've made, the, the reason they're here is because of poor decisions. And um, there's not been a lot of real consequence to their decisions, and this is a consequence so that they can um, learn that they need to think before they act. So, so, so I mean, are you kind of saying, suggesting that that being homeless is is a decision in some way, or as a result of decisions? I believe Absolutely. so. Yeah. Yeah. How, you know, I mean, over the time, you have any idea how many homeless people you've dealt with in your time working here? Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much the same kind of, you know, thing. They all say kind of the same. I mean, they all end up when you, you summer, you summarize the whole thing by decisions, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a select few that I would say Maybe not. Like, just as an example, the fires. Correct. That was completely outside of the scope of their control that led them to homelessness. But outside of something that extreme, I would say that homelessness is a direct result of decisions, poor decisions being made over a period of time. Yeah, yeah. I can count on less than one hand how many people I've had in here due to mere circumstance rather than the poor decisions that they've made. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, So um, then, well, uh, let me ask you this. Why do we call it a 30-day program? 
I mean, if you don't make them stay 30 days, if they can stay longer than 30 days, why in the world is it called a 30-day program? So we call it a 30-day program because we're reviewing each case every 30 days. So when you ask to come in, we ask that you commit to 30 days because yep. we've got some stuff we got to work on. And in that 30 days, you've got next step tasks that I assign mm -hmm. based on what your need is when you come in. In 30 days, we're going to review that. We're going to look at how you're functioning in the house. Are you getting along with people? Are you showing up when you're supposed to? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And did you do those next steps? Right. If you did those next steps, I will approve you for another 30 days, in which case you get another set of next steps. Mm -hmm. that you have to do that next 30 days. And, and all then, of these steps are steps in the direction towards independence. Right. That's great. So, And we do that for however long it takes for the person to leave well. So give me an idea of somebody who's been here for a long time that's currently in our program. How long would you say is a long time for somebody right now in our program? Uh, I have... Do you want me to give names? No, 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 not names. Okay. Just, just uh, I have of time. I have somebody that's been there currently for, f I think I have somebody there for 15 months, and I have another one that's been in there for 18 months. 18 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and each time what you're asking for is, is every 30 days you're looking for a verifiable progress, right? Yes. Okay. So it's not just, hey, I say I'm doing good because I feel really good about my, my time here. You're asking for measurements, things that you can actually see and measure, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the idea that it's a, a 30-day program, you know, I, I just we, we often get, I mean, people use our terms that are useful for us, and they try and put in their own ideas about what that might mean, and then they repackage the 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 this in their narrative and they spin it out into the media or the public or whatever. And they say, Oh, well, you know, it's 30 days and 30 days. And, you know, and, and I keep hearing, Oh, the, we're really rigid on this 30 day thing. When having invented the 30 day program, you know, and, and everything, I can tell you what I, what I was thinking in mind was why 30 days, you know, in, in, in this. And I think it's because it's the most common regular cycle that all adults have in this sense. We all pay our rent every 30 days. We all pay our bills every 30 days. So they are, so somebody is reviewing our progress mm -hmm. all the time, whether we like it or not, right? I mean, you know, your, your mortgage payment is getting paid, your car payments, your insurance, and all these things are being done every 30 days. So that's the, if there's any magic behind a number, that's the only reason why it's a 30-day thing. I mean, why not two weeks or every week or whatever? And we do, you do hold people accountable sometimes on a weekly basis. Sometimes it's just, a hey, let me just see that you make it through till tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Right? Yep. You know, and, and, and everything. But but that 30-day thing, and, and, and that's why, you know, I see so many programs out there that are, you know, we, they have a 90-day thing or a one-year thing or, or, you know, however many weeks and... And I'm always, I always ask the question, like, why, why 90 days? What's the magic of 90 days? And I never really get a satisfactory answer other than kind of a, well, if we couldn't do it in, in a year, then we're not going to do it, you know, and everything. And, and I go, yeah, but some people just come in with problems that require more than a year's time to mm -hmm. solve, right. right? So, 
Um, well, that's, I think, kind of the, the, you know, the nutshell of the 30-day thing. And, um, you know, I, my feeling is that, um, you know, here's the thing about the 30-day program. And we've got a video that we're going to show that, that we actually show uh, that I helped develop, you know, years ago, back when I was the men's coordinator, um, which is why when you see me in the video, I'm so youthful uh, <laughs> and everything. And, and, um, but it was, the idea was, and it's on our website, and we use it all the time for every new incoming resident to say, what can you expect from a 30-day stay at the Gospel Rescue Mission? So if we can, we've got it queued up. Let's just take a look at the 30-day video. At the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission, one of the ways that we measure progress and the success of our residents is through our 30-day program. Each resident is given a 30-day form on intake. It's a contract that allows them to stay for a maximum of 30 days. Their ability to stay for an additional 30 days depends on their adherence to this contract, which includes three major parts, church attendance, behavior and attitude in the house, and a first step contract. So let's take a look at the first part church attendance. All residents are required to attend community church services every Sunday. After church, each resident brings back a church bulletin along with their 30-day form and has an RA initial their form. After four weeks of church attendance, residents will inform the RAs that their 30-day review is coming up and the RAs will then fill out their portion of the 30-day form. The second part of the 30-day form includes ratings from the RAs and peers based on the behavior of the resident in the house. Did they make it to all the required chapels? Were all their chores completed? What was their attitude like in the house? Were they up on time? Did they cooperate with others and follow the rules? Each of these is assigned a rating from 1 to 10, which serves as a guide for improvement. If staff or RAs need to address an issue with a resident regarding these, there will be marked down a point on each occurrence. Everybody at the mission is required to do some kind of work in trade for their stay. Mission work can vary from housekeeping to working at the second chance thrift store, working in the kitchen, or other duties as assigned. The work assignment portion of the 30-day form is filled out by the resident's worksite manager who provides a rating for punctuality, work quality, and attitude. Like the ratings from the RAs, this peer feedback plays an important role in determining whether or not a resident is permitted to stay beyond the first 30 days. You'll see a box on the 30-day review stating, must maintain a rating of 6 or better. Essentially. If the RAs or staff have to talk to a resident about adhering to the rules for more than four times, they'll generally be asked to leave, typically for about 30 days. The final part is the first step contract. This is the list of the basic things we think every resident should have dialed in, meaning they should have applied for the Oregon Health Plan and they should be on the HUD housing waiting list. If necessary, they should have checked into the Veterans Services, and if they have kids, they should be checking in with Head Start right away. We need to know if they have the birth certificate or Social Security card, and there may be few other things that we add to the list along the way. These are the tasks that we need them to take care of during the first 30 days of their stay with us. On the subsequent 30-day stays, this portion of the form will be called the Next Step Contract. The next step contract is more customized between each resident and the coordinator. 
This gives them up to three or four steps that can be accomplished over the next 30 days that help them toward the goal of becoming independent. Progress on these will require third-party verification. So for example, if they are required to open up a bank account, we'll need to see a bank statement. If they're required to go to counseling, then we'll need to see a schedule from the counselor uh, giving that schedule. These steps all lead to independence, and that is really the ultimate goal that we have here at the mission. It's to help the resident no longer need charity in order to survive. If the resident receives some kind of income, there will be program fees, and of course, there's a UA that they'll have to pass in order to stay. We test for drugs because we need to know that they're doing their part in order to have their stay. Provided that everything is graded well, the resident is demonstrating that they're willing to work toward becoming independent, doing those things that are asked of them, that their peers would say, yes, this person is really making an effort. Then we would grant them an additional 30 days if they request. And so we'll continue to do that with them for as long as they continue to demonstrate that they're making progress. That's the ins and outs of the 30-day stay. That's the ins and outs of the 30-day stay. Look at that young man that was on there. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, so um, we had a, uh, a pastor's meeting here at the mission uh, about a week ago, and there were, some, um, there were some folks in local politics and stuff that were there, and somebody came up to you, John, uh, and had asked you a question about what's your success rate? And... Um, I, I tend anymore, I've, I've been at this now for a little over 12 years, and I, and I tend to, when people ask me questions, I'm just, I want to give an answer, but, but I tend to have a red flag that goes up, depending on the question, you know, and, and, and what's your success rate is one of those that gives me a red flag. Um, you answered fair. Um, how did you, how'd you answer? I told them that, um... One in four is basically uh, people who leave here with a job and a steady income and a home. Yep. Um, but then I told him, I said, you know, that's uh, that's one form of success. But you know, if if you look at it as only you know seventy five percent fail, that's that's bad. It's it, they don't fail. Right. Um, everyone who stays here makes some bit of progress in the time that they stay here, whether it's two days or, or six months. Um, everyone who stays here uh, has improved their life in one form or another. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of, I kind of, the, the reason that I, that I, you know, kind of bristle when somebody asks me, what's your success rate? It isn't because we, I don't think we have great success rates. We have great success rates. It's just, I always kind of have to ask the question, well, how do you measure success? How, how would you, what's the number that's most important to you? Um, because if you ask me, like, if I say, well, what's your success rate of your warming shelter? And they'll say, well, you know, of all the people that stayed there, they all stayed warm for the night, right? I go, great. We also have a 100% success yep. rate on keeping people warm for the night every time they stay here. And we had more people stay here 
during those two nights that your warming shelter was open than you had at the warming shelter. So, so you know, what are we talking about? Where's the point of measurement that you're interested in? Um, do you want to know how many people, uh, you know, uh, get off of uh, drugs and alcohol during their stay here? And then ask the same question of people in the drug and alcohol treatment programs, you know, that we're so excited about across the state, um, you know, how, what's your recidivism rate for, you know, drug and alcohol, you know, your relapse rate for drug and alcohol treatment, you know, at the local treatment places, whether it's options or on track or, or, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> all the other choices, you know, uh, the ARC, all these different programs here in Southern Oregon that are, that are all great programs. And I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to say anything critical of them. I'm just going, I think that our success rate at least rivals theirs, mm-hmm. at least, you know, I mean, I, I'd say that it's, it's comparable. Um, and, and a lot of times it's because we work together. You know, it's because it's because right. no one program does it by themselves. You know, we're not trying to be better than everybody else or anything. Like, we, I mean, we are trying to be better than everybody else in a sense, but it's not. I'm not. I'm not even focusing on everybody else. I'm just trying to do the best job that can be done. Right. So, um, tell me about some of the other successes. I mean, you know, you could say, okay, yeah, but did you know that you know 98 percent of the people that smoke when they come in here quit smoking during their time here? Um, I mean, none of the ladies at the house are smoking. Every single one of them that came in that smoked, yeah. they had a quit plan, yep. and all of them have successfully quit smoking. Yeah, that's all great. Of them. That's I mean, awesome. That's great. You know, and and here's the thing: we are kind of framed somehow by our detractors as if that's a bad thing, like that we're asking people to quit smoking. But if if we were in a room full of doctors who are struggling or nurses that are struggling to quit smoking. And we said, Hey, we've got a program with a hundred percent success. Everybody that, that has, that has come in and, and tried our program has quit during the length of time that they were on the program or whatever. Everybody would be applauding, mm-hmm. right? They'd be going, this is fantastic. What's the magic? The magic is we don't let them smoke. Right. You know? We just tell them, yeah, you got to stop. You know, it's not appropriate right now for you to be spending money on tobacco you can't afford to pay your bills, right? And so, and that being said, um, we help them with a quit plan, right? Yeah, I mean, we don't What's just tell them, we don't just tell them you got to quit and that's it. We we will, you know, we provide them with patches if they choose a patch for um, their quit plan uh, we connect them with doctors if they want something prescription um, or if they are uh, if they choose cold turkey we hold them accountable we mm-hmm. we test them uh, periodically to make sure that they're not smoking right right so we don't when we say they're quitting and you know somebody goes well they might be just secretly going out and doing it go no we've actually got tests for stuff like this and we can test it um and and they really quit yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing you know um what are some other success rates monica i mean that that might be going on in your house tell me tell me some successes that are happening 
from girls that are coming in off the street? I have several girls that are working on improving their health. They have some pretty serious health issues. Okay. I have other girls that are doing, we've really sat down and hammered out a really great budget for them. Um, and we're using uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, financial, financial Peace yeah. University yeah. Uh, for their budgeting. And they're working on paying down their debt using the snowball method. Nice. Um, I have... A couple ladies that are doing a parenting class, a Growing Children God's Way parenting class, and they're really working on improving how they communicate with their kids and and parenting their children. Um, well, there's the things, a lot of really great successes. Man, these are things that are like, uh, when you think about how hard would it be to do that, trying to live out of a tent in the park or out of your car, um, you, you know, and... and or even living in a hotel. Or even mm-hmm. living in a ho- even yeah. in a yeah. hotel, right? How hard would it be? How many people would be wrapping around you, to you know, in your everyday stuff, measuring your everyday comings and goings, and and you have somebody. I mean, you're not a case. You guys aren't case managers that just see your people for an hour once a week. I mean, you guys are there every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, 40 hour a week case management, you know, and that's if you don't count all the little texts that you get at night and the phone calls and the emails and and all the other things that are going on. It's just it's never ending. And and uh, what an amazing what an amazing testimony that that is. You know, we were talking about um, the you mentioned the parenting thing. And I mean, goodness, you want to talk about breaking the cycle of homelessness in the lives of children and everything by, I mean, a lot of these people that come to us, all they have known is government handouts and dependencies for generations. All they have known is, is, um, is begging or, or some kind of, you know, nefarious way of, of gaining income, you know, and everything. They're coming here and they're learning that they can do it the same way everybody else in society, doing society well, is doing it. Um, we are just now getting around to, uh, we just had some folks talk about our uh, a new program we're going to be starting called Malachi Dads, mm-hmm. which is awesome. It's uh, it, These guys have been teaching these classes for, uh, parenting classes for men in prison, and they've been having a huge success, you know, with, with, you know, just helping them understand, men understand their role as fathers. And we're going to be bringing that in with some of our guys um, here who have kids. Um, we're just constantly looking to raise the success rate. So, so a person, let's say a person leaves here after staying here for six months, um, but they don't leave with a job and a home. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the truth is, is one out of four people who walk in the door looking for a place to stay will leave with a job and a home. That's a pretty high. That's a pretty high amount. And somebody's going to wag their finger at us and say, "But that means seventy-five percent of them aren't making it." And you go, "Okay, well, so let's say somebody stays here for six months, and they and they leave." due to a relapse, um, or, or they leave for some reason other than a job and a home, maybe uh, they get in a fight with somebody or, or um, you know, what, whatever. Um, what kinds of things, you know, when you talk about, they, they may not have left perfectly, but what kinds of successes might they have gotten while they've stayed then? 
They've they've may have quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Gotten their birth certificate, um, okay. or made some really good progress towards getting their birth certificate. Some people yeah. have had. There's been some issues right. with COVID and stuff, but yeah. um, so for, birth certificate for a lot of them, or probably all of them. That's the longest they've stayed sober mm-hmm. in the since they've started doing whatever substance. Right. Yeah. Right. So if they had substance issues when they came in, you know, active substance issues when they came in, there's a six months of sobriety there. Even if it even if it ended in their relapse in a sense right. or, or whatever, that's a long stretch to stay sober. Boy, that does a lot for a person's body, getting their mind right and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me some other ideas of some successes, maybe. Um, a lot of them in that amount of time have gotten jobs and have paid off, paid off or paid down debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kinds of debt are we talking about? Medical, credit card, child support. Yeah. Maybe college tuition, mm-hmm. yep. back college tuition yeah. payments. You know, just simply fines and fees that uh, they owe to the community for bad behavior. Yeah, court fines and fees. fees. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about the um, the case against the city of Grants Pass uh, that that had gone to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and everything, and the lady who who uh, the the court the court uh, the thing is named after um, the case is named after. She had actually stayed with us at one point in time, you know, and, and part of the, the gripe was that um, it's cruel and unusual in a sense to, to find somebody when they can't to find somebody for sleeping in the park when they can't pay back the, the fines and, and everything. And it's, it's only sleeping and, and, and everything. And, and well, you and I both know that, our problem has nothing to do with people napping in the park, right. you know, or, or anything. Um, I mean, this is, it's, it's framed as a, uh, this is people sleeping and this isn't about people sleeping. This is about the, the thousands upon thousands of dollars of vandalism that goes on in our parks. The, the trash buildup that, that just comes, I mean, we had Matt Robertson here last week talking about, dumpster loads of of trash along the Bear Creek Greenway that just happens, you know, and they were every week that they were just pulling out, you know, metric tons of, of yep. trash out, out along there, and they'll continue to fight this battle. And, and, you know, in the court, we're just talking about sleeping. But in practical reality, this has nothing to do with narcolepsy. This has right. nothing to do with somebody sleeping and w- when they take a nap or, or, or when they're or when they're you know need to sleep. Even this is this isn't these aren't people who are just going out sleeping. These are people who are going out and uh, being predacious on on the regular citizenry. Um, and where was I going with all this conversation? Um, we were talking about. Yeah, lost my train. Successes. We were talking about successes. So, so when we look at these things, if if that lady had stayed with us, if she had been made to stay in the gospel rescue mission, and she stayed here before, she'd stayed in the gospel rescue mission and been made to follow the rules of the gospel rescue mission. Here's what would have happened: she would have gained an income of some kind, and during that time, she would have been able to pay off all of her fines and fees. And she would have ended up saving up enough money to to get her own place to where she would no longer be, 
even you know it would being sleeping outside wouldn't be the option what would be the option is which apartment do you want to rent or which place do you want to stay um so really what we're talking about is a different type of dignity that we're fighting for right i mean a different kind of thing that we're 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 fighting for what you guys are doing in the day in and day out of the of the the residents here is really life changing. I mean, just completely changed the trajectory. I mean, our, our cups, homelessness is not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to be left behind. That's our job is to help people leave homelessness behind. And you two are the really the frontline workers for that, for the gospel rescue mission. Um, I just have a ton of respect for both of you, and I think you do fantastic work. Um, if you think about praying for the Gospel Rescue Mission um, and really the, the work of the Gospel Rescue Mission, pray for John and Monica by name. Please. You know. <laughs> you can always use it. Yeah, because, because this is where the real wisdom is needed. This is where the real discernment is needed. This is where the real compassion is tested all the time, right? And, and um, they say that courage is that that um, virtue that really is the point of testing of every other virtue. So it's the, it takes courage to love somebody when they don't give it in return, and when, in fact, when they're being wicked to you and you still need to love them. It takes courage to be patient when somebody is testing your patience, you know, and it's and courage comes in at that point of testing, right? It's that stuff that goes, oh, can I continue to do the right thing? It's always a challenge. You guys do great work. Um, and these guys are the ones that really um, help catalog all the successes that we have here. You know, uh, and, and in that sense, every stay is in some ways 100% success. Every stay has its 100% successes. Um, they don't always end the way we want them to. But one of the things that we value here is giving people the uh, dignity of their choices. You know, we, we, we say, okay, look, if you have decided that you're going to be homeless, I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to make homelessness comfortable for you, but I'm going to I'm going to let you you know have what comes with being homeless, and that's cold and uh, cold night and a hard ground, you know, and and all kinds of other treacherous things that are out there. However, if you choose not to be homeless, I'm going to also honor that choice, and I'm going to help you find that. Um, if there was anything that you wanted to tell. You know, a, a listening audience this morning. If there's anything that you had on your mind, anything you got, anything that comes to the top, percolates up to the top. No. All right. Well then, thank you for your time this morning. Um, we are going to be talking to next is a, our interview with uh, James Franklin. Now, James is a current resident here at the mission. Um, probably not for much longer. Um, James came to us um, through when I started working also at the Rock Food Pantry and um, started interacting with him, and he was homeless for a number of years. Uh, he's, got, he's got a prison background. He's got a, a long history of a lot of bad choices, 
And um, by the time that I met James, boy, I mean, he was terrified of this place, terrified of this mission, terrified of me. And uh, and now, you know, we're like, you know, little besties, man. We, we <laughs> hang out together, and, and I just love seeing all the good things that the Lord is doing in James's life. Um, so uh, let's just go ahead and transition and talk to James Franklin. I lived up on uh, Granite Hill. I walked in every day, three, four times a day to find my fix, to go to the food pantry downtown to get something to eat. That's just how my life went for about three years. Hi, my name is James Franklin, and I'm a current resident of the Gospel Rescue Mission. I became a resident uh, of the Gospel Rescue Commission 22 months ago. I um, was homeless for three years. I lived up on uh, Granite Hill. Um, I walked in every day, three, four times a day, to find my fix, to go to the food pantry downtown, to get something to eat. That's just how my life went for about three years. I first heard about the mission through uh, Brian Boteller. He um, asked me, why I was homeless and um, asked me if I would take a tour of the Gospel Rescue Mission. I said, sure. So me and a couple other guys, we came over and he took us on a tour. I got to go through and see the dorms, um, see all the bunks, where you got to be able to store all your clothes. And then we went in and uh, we sat down there in the uh, chapel. Being able to have an opportunity to change my life um, from where I was at to where I'm at now, I, I would recommend anybody out there, especially this time of season, um, you don't need to be out there. There's a warm bed in here. Um, this place is very open, you know. It gives you it gives you a opportunity for hope, you know. Uh, the mission has helped me um, maintain um, sobriety. Um, it has helped, main, helped me maintain a uh, full-time job. Um, it has given me an opportunity to grow and to be a mentor to other residents that are new. Within the last 20, 20 months that I had been at the mission, um, I've um, paid off uh, $21,000 in child support. Um, it's been, um, it's, it, it's an overwhelming feeling. I mean, I looked at it for many years going, I'm never going to achieve this, you know. This is just, it's too much, you know, and, um, and I'll tell you, that was probably the best blessing day in my life to know that I, I became debt-free for the first time in 21 years. I was at work and um, I was uh, running the forklift and my boss come up to me and said, hey, I need to talk to you. I mean, first thing that I thought is, ah, man, what's he gonna tell me now? I, what did I do? And um, he pulled me into the office, and there sat another gentleman um, right there next to uh, my boss's desk, and he introduced him to me. His name was Christian. And the reason why Christian was there was because um, he had a gift for me, which I didn't know what it was. Um, he, he was just talking to me, and I was explaining to him some of my testimony. He says, hey, James, let's, let's take a walk. So I says, all right, um, I got... I got something to show you. I'm like, all right. So we started walking, and I'm like, dude, what are you gonna show me? You know, I'm, I got a job to do. I'm kind of getting anxious. And um, 
we started talking and got about halfway down the sidewalk to the rock food pantry. And he stopped me and he's like, so um, do you know why I brought you here? I says, no. He says, well, um, God brought me here because he wanted me to gift you this car. And I looked at Christian and I said, could you please repeat that? And I, man, I just started crying. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I was appalled. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. So I just looked at him and I shook his hand. I gave him a great big hug. And he's like, always remember, God gifted you this car. I didn't. Um, me growing spiritually, um, it took me a while. Um, I had a hard time believing in a God that I never could see. But as I have grown in the mission in 22 months I have lived here, God has been my savior. Um, he's been my hope. It's just, it's been a blessing. If there's anything I can say to anybody, believe in yourself, believe in Jesus Christ, for he does do miracles because he did a miracle for me. So if I can do this, you can do this. Let me tell you about James. I mean, he understates how cool his stay is here. Um, you know, I, I love this guy. He has so, we've seen so much growth here. And when, when you ask about, like, what's our success rates? I mean, here's a guy who quit drinking. He had an 18-pack of beer a day drinking habit. He was a smoker, uh, two-pack-a-day smoker. He, was, uh, he, he had you know, other, other habits as well. He quit all of these things during his stay here. Uh, he's gotten healthy. He has gotten, uh, he's paid down a tremendous amount of back child support. That means that he's taking care of his obligations uh, to society. He's paid down back fines and fees. He stayed here for, he's, up, he's been about 22 months, um, so a little over two years. How long can somebody stay in our 30-day program? Well, as long as it takes to get to the place that you need to get to, you know, uh, to become independent, and he's well on his way. Um, so this is a guy that has spent, I mean, we spent a lot of years just living in the forest or sleeping on the hard, cold ground, and... Um, We've just seen so much success with James, and uh, I just ask you to continue to pray for him. Uh, he's one of my buddies, uh, works for me over at the Rock Food Pantry. We work together, um, and uh, jo a joy to be around. You can just tell by listening to him talk. Um, and like so many other interviews that we've had here, all these folks, their lives have been changed and made different because of a stay at the Gospel Rescue Mission, and because they took that stay seriously. Um, so, hey, today is our last day of the month where we're talking about um, my book reviews, my, my book recommendations, Brian's books. Here we go. The Tragedy of American Compassion by Dr. Marvin Olasky. And I'll tell you, um, most of us tend to see... Um, the, the issue of homelessness and poverty in America um, through a lens that's very personalized. Um, it, it's, it's how has it affected me personally? And so we know somebody who's been um, 
homeless or we've, uh, we've been homeless ourselves. We've struggled with poverty ourselves. And that really has kind of um, narrowly helped us define what does it mean to be poor. And the truth is, is that um, what Dr. Olasky does is he catalogs a, a broader view, and it's one that I, I hope that we bring also when we think about uh, homelessness, when we talk about homelessness at the Gospel Rescue Mission, and in Gospel Rescue Missions across the country um, as well. I mean, we, have a, we get to work with thousands upon thousands of people who are homeless, who leave homelessness, who make a change, and, and we fight kind of all of those things that work together to lead towards their poverty and towards their homelessness, and we want to help them out and become independent. Um, the Tragedy of the American Compassion by Dr. Olasky, he compiles literally 300 years of, of work um, of work that has worked and work that has not worked and and kind of gives you some, you know, like lays it out and says, you decide what's worked and what hasn't. You decide what has done well and what hasn't. If you really want to broaden your ideas, in fact, if you want to deal with the homeless issue at all in your community, you really need to broaden your, your horizons about what does it mean to be homeless and how do we get here? What is Why in the wealthiest nation in the world are we talking about poverty within our within our borders, and um, and what could we do about it, and what works and what doesn't? You know, all of that. The tragedy of American compassion by Dr. Marvin Olasky is a fantastic read. It will be insightful for you. You will learn. Uh, I highly recommend it, and um, and we'll have a link for it. Uh, right down in the description after the show. Uh, so check it out. Um, next, we're going to do a ministry spotlight. We're going to talk about um, it is Celebrate Recovery and talk about a great Christian program that is doing some great work uh, towards getting people out of, out of addiction recovery and, and, and those kinds of things. Check out this spotlight. Hi, my name is Carol Stevens. Um, I am part of the teams for Celebrate Recovery. Um, I help facilitate and make sure Celebrate Recovery is running um, smoothly. The primary goal of our ministry is to help people with their hurts, habits, hangups. Um, it could range from um, grief to addiction. And our sole purpose is to help people find a foundation and grow in Christ with that foundation. I feel like our ministry meets goals by giving um, people support in the middle of crisis in their life, giving them step groups, helping them focus on the deep down hurts, habits, hangups that are keeping them stuck and not able to move forward in life. Christ is definitely the centerpiece of our ministry. Um, without God, there would be no there wouldn't be a ministry. So um, I feel like God um, shows up every Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery and um, let, helps people understand that there's freedom in that. Celebrate Recovery, a great program, and uh, another one of the great things that Christians are doing in our community here in Grants Pass. 
Um, I guarantee you, wherever you are, you have the Christian community doing great things in your town, and you really should know about that and, and understand that uh, why the community, why your community needs the Christian community and would benefit from having a strong and robust Christian community there working uh, in your community. So um, some final thoughts here. Um, Let's just wrap this whole thing up. I was thinking today of a passage from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So this is the uh, admonition of the Apostle Paul about how should we live together, how should we work together. And um, it doesn't say uh, chop off the thief's hands. It doesn't say, uh, you know, remove the thief from the community. Uh, But it says, you know, basically get him to stop stealing. And in fact, make him work. And so that as he works, he's contributing to the community that he lives in so that he also has something to share with anyone in need. The issue that we have to do, we have to take these people that we work with and bring them into this understanding of themselves that they were made to flourish. They were made to be contributors to the community around them. And this is something that is true for, uh, for the Gospel Rescue Mission, for people uh, all, all around. As we're working with homeless folks um, in, in our community, as we're trying to get them to a place where they no longer need a handout but where they're contributors to our community because they work in the community, because they are flourishing and they're thriving. So uh, it's a joy for me and my staff whenever we work and we walk through town, we go through a grocery store, we sit at a coffee shop, we eat at a restaurant, uh, whatever, and to see somebody that we knew because they stayed at a gospel rescue mission, and and they're coming to out excited to see us and going, hey, remember me? Remember how I used to be? And now look at me. Look at, and they're so proud, and they're so excited about the, the new life that they have. And that is worth everything that we do. That is worth every, I mean, that's a reason why we get up in the morning. We don't get up because we've got a fantastic uh, paycheck necessarily, or because we've, we've uh, got the cushiest offices or any, any of that kind of stuff. We come to work because we love to see lives change. We love to see God do amazing things through the efforts of people who who just decide that they're not going to be dependent anymore, but that they really want to be and learn to be independent. That's what the Gospel Rescue Mission is all about. That's what we're all about. That's why we do 30-day reviews. That's why we do 30-day stays. That's why we do. Uh, that's why we have vacancy. And if you're somebody up and down anywhere on the West Coast that says, I want a new life. I want something more than what I have. I want to become that person that, like James is there, that has paid off debt, that is now has his own car and is, and is a job and is flourishing. Well, by golly, we got room for you. Come on up 
and uh, check with John or Monica, and let's talk about getting your life turned around. Thank you for taking the time to watch another episode of Mission Live. If you, you know you can really help us by subscribing, clicking the subscribe button here if you get a chance, um, and then share us with your friends. You know, share this episode with your friends if this uh, helps in any in any way on your discussion about what do we do with homeless people in our community. Um, also. So, you know, drop us a note. We love to see your comments. We love to, uh, to you know, find out what's going on in your community and what's working there. And maybe, maybe we'll even highlight somebody who's doing great work in your community. Thank you again. God bless you. And I hope you have a great day.